A mix of sun and cloud for today with a slight chance of flurries, a high of minus 6. Tonight clear, low of minus 21. A wind chill near minus 28. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high of minus 9. Hal Anderson, do I have to keep reading this miserable yes, forecast? Yes, you do. Keep okay. going. Saturday, mostly sunny, a high of minus 9. It's minus 8 right now at 680 CJOB. You do and, not you do not slack on this show. You uh, do your job. I know. I know so, you don't like reading that forecast, but that's uh, part of the job, part wind, of the gig. Wind chill minus 28 tonight, it's ridiculous. Al. Who it's signed ridiculous. up for this? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, but we chose to be Winnipeggers and Manitobans, and so we now have to put up with it. But the good news is, according to my weather expert buddy, Bruce Johnson, that's pretty much it now for the snow. There's no snow, we don't think, and anything can still happen. But we don't think there's any snow, and we've certainly seen some big snows in April. Sure. But even the long-term models are not showing any snow. And by middle of next week, it'll be closer to seasonal. Maybe not quite to plus 5 or plus 6, but it'll be uh, closer. But, yeah, minus 21 tonight, feeling like minus 28, that's crazy. Yeah, no no question about it. And what's really funny is... Jeff Courier is talking about the first day of baseball and, yeah. you know, we're getting ready for Easter. And I look out the window and there's like size 42 snowflakes yeah. coming down here in Polo Park. Oh, yeah. They were. And it's it's one of those kind of snow showers because it, yeah. it was sunny, too. But uh, what will happen is, I mean, because the sun's pretty powerful for this time yeah. of year. So that will kind of mm-hmm. cause what they call convective uh, snow showers. Oh, right. I forgot you're a bit of a weather geek too. Yeah, a little what bit. What is it called? Uh, it's convective showers, essentially. So it can be Isn't snow showers. Is that what showers. you throw at the bride and groom at a wedding? No. What's that? No. Uh, baby showers? Oh, confetti. Sorry, right. Whatever. Yeah. I my don't. bad. I apologize. I've never been married. I don't know this stuff, hell. <laughs> um, so, anyhow, yeah. But so basically. It's like a low front confetti. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a confetti, except <laughs> nobody's celebrating. That's yes, the thing. right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it just means that the, some convection can sometimes cause these isolated showers that can uh, come down pretty... I mean, they're usually brief and they don't mean mm-hmm, much, yeah. but it doesn't help. No, it sure doesn't. Um, I find that the last few weeks of whatever you want to call this, you know, fourth winter or whatever, <laughs> Brett McGarry's got a great list of the different seasons we go through here in Winnipeg. He was reading it the other day on McLean and McGarry. But anyhow, I find that the last tail end of, because we've gone through six months of this, right? Oh, it's just, yeah. please let it be over. But minus 21 tonight, it'll feel like minus 28, wind chill, minus nine tomorrow, uh, minus nine on Saturday. Ugh. Anyhow, thank you very much, TFJ. Good job uh, reading the forecast, even mm-hmm. though it's not uh, great information. Well, it is a long weekend, so that's it nice. is. Yes, and you're off tomorrow, are you? Yes, I, I know. You, I know you. You work every day. So. I am off tomorrow. Oh, you're off tomorrow. I am oh, off good tomorrow. For you. Yeah, and then I'm going to come in Saturday and Sunday uh, because uh, you're on on my team as well, right? We're doing these great mini documentaries. Yes, that will be rolled out next week. Am I able to say? No, I don't think I'm supposed to say anything. I won't say anything. <laughs> But I got to come in and finish mine up on the weekend. So I'm going to come in, do my weekend show, uh, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and then work on my mini documentary. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, mm. stay tuned next week yes. for that to be unveiled. Some really good stuff yep. coming up next week. All right. Thank you, TFJ. I'll let you go. Jeff Forche is producing the show today. Uh, as usual, we have a great show coming up here. Brittany Greenslade, Global News reporter, Brittany Greenslade. You see her on uh, here or every once in a while here on on uh, Global News Radio, but you see her mostly on Global uh, News Television. And tonight at 6 o'clock on TV, she will learn to curl. And I'm going to ask her about that coming up here in about six or seven minutes. I'm curious to know why.
why did she suddenly want to learn to curl? And she is from British Columbia, I believe, where curling's not as big a deal as it is here. So we'll talk to Brittany coming up here. Also, tough trivia right after Global News at 1.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. We'll have a tough trivia question for you and give you a chance to win those Rod Stewart tickets. Final pair of Rod Stewart tickets, April 3rd, Bell MTS Place. Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, of course, actually going to have both of the couch potatoes on the show uh, today at different times, but at about 1.45, quarter to two, uh, Jeff Braun and I are going to talk about Roseanne. We uh, saw the new Roseanne the other night. I, I got up and I, I laid down for a nap, but I woke up specifically to watch it, and I thought it was really good. Uh, I wasn't a huge uh, viewer of the original Roseanne, but I thought this was really good, and I thought they would have good ratings, and wow, did they ever have good ratings. Over 18 million people tuned in to the new Roseanne on television. And they figure when you factor in the people that recorded it to watch it later, that number will go even higher. Interesting. So over 18 million people watched. Interesting. When the series shut down, the finale of the series back in 1997, 16 million people watched. So the first episode of the new Roseanne had more viewers than the last episode of the old Roseanne. Isn't that interesting? In a day and age when fewer people are watching television, you know, appointment uh, television. Anyhow, we'll talk to Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, about that at 1.45, quarter to 2. After Global News at 2 o'clock, Shannon Sampert, U of W political scientist. Should candidates live in the ridings they run in? I know Jeff Courier was talking to you a bit about that on his show. What's got us thinking about this is the fact that Dugal Lamont, the liberal leader, will run in St. Boniface, but he lives in Fort Rouge. How do you feel about that? It's not uncommon for candidates, I think all levels of government, for candidates to live in a different uh, area than they represent, than they run in. But we'll talk to Shannon Sampert about that. We'll see what she thinks uh, the chances are that Dugal Lamont can win St. Boniface, which, of course, would be a huge deal for the liberals. It would make them an official party in the legislature, and that means funding and all kinds of stuff. And I also wanted to talk a bit about this hydro mess. And oh boy, what a mess it is. What kind of damage might this do to Premier Pallister and his Tory government? Shannon Samper, after Global News at 2 o'clock. Around 2.15, the weekend's new movies with the other couch potato, Brett McGarry, and then after Global News at 2.30, Carolyn Klassen joins us from Conexus Counseling, as she does every Thursday between 2.30 and 3. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff with her uh, today. Dwelling on failure, apparently, according to a new study, um, can be good for you. And I want to talk to her about kids' allowances, too, because we were talking about uh, this yesterday, I think it was, where parents uh, apparently are raiding their kids' piggy banks and savings accounts to pay for everyday items just to pay the bills. And so I want to talk to her about, you know, if you do give your kid an allowance, do you tie it to chores? Do you tie it to grades? Anyhow, a couple things we'll talk about with Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling between 2.30 and 3 and other stuff will come up as well. And, hey, if you have a question or a comment or, or whatever for Carolyn when she's here, by all means, get it to me. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. It is opening day in baseball, and so muchos kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, 
my band of big guys, we put together a song we call On the Field. Are you excited at all about the new baseball season? Are you a Blue Jays fan? Or maybe you follow one of the U.S. teams? 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. And what are you having for Easter? I want to hear about your meal today. What's the big Easter meal? Ham? You having a bird? Both? What are you having? What's your uh, Easter tradition? Do you go to church? Do you have a little egg hunt for the kids? Talk to me about Easter today. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. We'll be right back and talk to Brittany Greenslade about curling on CJOB. Yeah, minus uh, eight right now. Windchill minus 12. That's what it feels like out there. Like got a... Says we've got a easterly wind at 10 uh, kilometers an hour right now. And there is certainly some flurry activity depending on where you're at. Before we talk to Brittany Greenslade here, I just got to read a, I laughed when I read this text message, 204-780-6868. Seriously, Hal, why would anyone believe 18 million people watch the Roseanne reboot especially in a day and age when Last Man Standing, another right-leaning comedy with decent ratings, gets canceled. Last Man Standing is a right-leaning? I don't know. Now, the interesting thing about, pardon me. Oh, see, that's payback. I was giving Jeff uh, Courier a hard time for eating an apple on the air, and I took a bite of an apple, and now it's uh, stuck in my throat. Anyhow, um... It is interesting, though, that Roseanne in real life is a Trump supporter, and on the show, she's a Trump supporter, and on the show, her sister Jackie is a Hillary supporter, which makes for some interesting uh, conversation. But uh, I don't know, maybe 18, to answer your question uh, by text, maybe because it's a good show, people liked it then and they wanted to see what it's like now, I don't know. Uh, We'll see what happens with the ratings, and we'll talk more about the Roseanne reboot with Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, <clears throat> at about 145, okay? But right now, at 119 here on a Thursday afternoon, let's talk to Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade. Hello, Brittany. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, tonight on Global News Television, you learn how to curl. Are you excited? I certainly am. This was a first for me. I've never uh, been curling. I uh, tried once at the uh, outdoor bond spiel, right. which, as many people know, is very, very different than actually being on an indoor curling rink. So it was it was quite a thrill. Yeah. Now, I'm from Alberta. You're from B.C. But once you get here to Winnipeg and Manitoba, I mean, curling is almost a religion. Why, at this point now, after being here for a while, did you decide you wanted to give curling a try? Exactly. It's been six years that I've lived in Manitoba, and I've never embraced the curling. Uh, I've, I've watched it a couple times. I didn't mm-hmm. really understand much of it. Um, I played shuffleboard, and I thought that was pretty close. Yeah, yeah that's a good gauge. <laughs> right? So, um, like most people, I'm a big fan of the Olympics and a big fan of Winter Olympics, and I caught myself this Olympics um, watching the curling and yeah. very, very early, as most Manitobans will know, um, was watching the mixed doubles with Caitlin Laws and Johnny Morris and mm. they won their game. And I found myself getting so excited and I sent out a tweet and said, man, I never thought I'd find the day 
when I got excited watching curling. Yeah. But I was so excited. I said, this, I feel like a Manitoban now for sure. Right. Finally, after six years. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to give it a try. Yes. And I thought, what better teacher, coach could you get than somebody like Reed Carruthers? Yeah, no kidding. And without giving away too much, because I want people to tune in tonight to Global News Television at 6 o'clock to find out all about it, but how did it go? I have a suspicion it was not as easy as you thought going in. It's not as easy as I thought. I'm a former figure skater, so for me, I'm used to being on ice but with blades. Right, yeah. So it was very different for me to, to get my balance on there um, in a different situation. Yeah. I will say Reed is a great coach, and there is going to be a rematch. Ah, excellent. All right, well, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, before I let you go, uh, there's a lot that goes into curling, learning, and getting good at it. Can you give me, Brittany Greenslade, please, a big hurry Hurry hard to end our chat. Go. Hurry hard. Well, you have to work on that a bit, but <laughs> that's okay. Hey, Brittany, I'm looking forward to watching tonight. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Al. Yeah, Brittany Greenslade there. Watch her tonight, 6 o'clock, Global News Television. Yeah, you gotta go, hurry! Hurry hard! You know, you gotta really get into it, right? I mean, you know, there may be some rinks out there that want to bring me in just to do that. Just to, just to take care of that. Right? I don't know. Hey, uh, Dawn just sent a text in here, 204-780-6868. Hal, if they reboot Gilligan's Island, I will watch for sure. Yeah, I like uh, Gilligan's Island. Sometimes I I feel like you don't want to mess with the original because the original was so good. But then, yeah, if they can, like I thought they did a great job with the new Roseanne. I thought it it had that same feel as the old one. They took on some really serious issues and uh, weaved in humor with it, and I thought they did a great job. But that would be my only worry about classic television like Gilligan's Island. That's certainly a classic is, you know, would they they mess up a classic? But thanks for the text message, Don. 204-780-6868. Maybe that's the question. Maybe that's it. What would you like to see them redo on television what show would you like to see them redo for 2018 204-780-6868 204-780-6868 we can talk about uh smoking on patios too as of sunday easter by the way i told you this yesterday but i'll remind you again today we are calling it uh easter fool's day so on Sunday, when you see somebody, you go, hey, happy Easter Fool's Day, because it's Easter and it's April Fool's Day. First time since 1956, and it won't happen again until uh, 19, no, 2029. Happy Easter Fool's Day. Use that one on Sunday. All right? Uh, whatever you got on your mind today, let's talk about it. 204-780-6868, Hal at CJOB. Com. Let me just tell you, if you're just tuning in a bit late here, let me tell you what's coming up. We're going to give you a chance to win Rod Stewart tickets right after the news at 1.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. And we're going to talk more about the new Roseanne show. Uh, one of the stories you'll hear in the news with TFJ here in about six minutes from right now is the fact that uh, the city is looking at some uh, different ways of dealing with with snow and ice. 
For example, sugar beet juice. And we've heard about beet juice being used elsewhere, and it looks like the city could possibly uh, switch over to that. Oh, and you know what else I wanted to do? Let's play it here. I want to play it a couple times today. Dan Vandell got up in the House of Commons today, and he said this. Mr. Speaker, in mid-April, Winnipeggers will don everything and anything white. A whiteout is coming, and the Bell MTS place will be a sight. Après un hiver qui semble interminable, parfois même infernal, un autre tempête hivernale est attendue dans ma ville natale. We are coming for Stanley is our new chant of choice for Wheeler, Liney, Hellebuck, and Shifley, too many to voice. La tenacité de Perrault et ses coéquipeurs nous fait sourire et la jeunesse de l'équipe promet un bel avenir. Over the past couple of weeks, our city has tasted much victory, our curling team Jones and our bison women's hockey. So you see, Mr. Speaker, Winnipeg is aglow as we rise together and say, Go Jets! Go! Go Jets! Very good job, Dan Vendel. Very good job. I like that. Get up in the Commons and you tell them that our Jets are going to go for Lord Stanley's Cup this year. No question about it. 126. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. Tristan Field Jones has global news at 130 for you next. It's minus eight at 680 CJOB, but. He's here to turn that into a plus eight because it's Hal Anderson. <laughs> Thank you, TFJ. I appreciate it. You know what? I'll I'll take it with a smile today because I'm off tomorrow. A lot of people are off tomorrow. Pretty excited about that. Hopefully you get uh, tomorrow. Maybe it's a long weekend for you. That would be fantastic. I really hope you get a, a nice long weekend. All right. Uh, as I said, tough trivia. Kicking off this half hour with your chance to win Rod Stewart tickets. April 3rd, Bell MTS Place. All you got to do is answer this tough trivia question. All right. 32% of women say they do this every day or most days. 32% of women, every day or most days, compared to 27% of men. So whatever this is, 32% of women do it every day or most days. 27% of men do it every day or most days. What is it? For Rod Stewart tickets, 204 780 6868, you can't text your answer in. You can email it to hal at cgob.com. You've got to pick up the phone and call and talk to me and audibly tell me your guess. 204-780-6868. Let's go to the phones. Hello, have you got a guess? Yeah, do a load of laundry. Do a load of laundry. Uh, No, not the uh, answer we're looking for. Hi, CGOB. Hi. Listen to your phone, not your radio last chance. Okay. Hi, CGLB. Hi, is it uh, wash the dishes? Wash the dishes. No, it is not wash the dishes. No. Hi, CGLB. Change their underwear. (laughs) Not change their underwear. No. Boy, what would the other, you know, so what? The 60, was that uh, 68% don't change their underwear every, every day or most days? I don't know. That's kind of scary. Hi, have you got a guess? Floss their teeth. Floss their teeth. Good guess, but not what we're looking for. Sorry. Hi, CGOB. Hi, would it be washing their hair? Not washing their hair. No. Interesting that everybody's going to uh, 
like kind of like tasks around the house. Eh? 32% of women say they do this every day or most days compared to 27% of men. What is the answer to that tough trivia question for Rod Stewart tickets? Hi, have you got a guess? Uh, yeah, I do. All right, let's hear it. Uh, call your mother. Call your mother. That's a good one, but not the answer we need. Sorry. Hi, CGOB. Hi there. Uh, would it be look in the mirror? Look in the mirror. Yeah. No, not look in the mirror. No. I, I'll give you a bit of a hint. This is an enjoyable thing. I think I think most people enjoy this. 32% of women do it every day or most days, 27% of men. Hi, what's your answer? Um, oh, geez. Read a magazine? I'm sorry, what's that? Is it reading a magazine? No, it is not, but you are very close. You are very close. Thanks for helping everybody else out. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, CJOB, have you got a guess? Yeah, uh, take a bath. Not take a bath, no. Hi, CJOB. Uh, have a nap? Not have a nap, no. Very Hi. close to read a magazine. Hi, CJOB. Hello. Hi, what's your guess? Uh, do the crossword. No, not the crossword. Hello, CJOB. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. What's your answer? Uh, shower. Not shower. No. Hi there, CJOB. Hello. Hi. Mm, yeah, go ahead quickly. Is it uh, read the newspaper? Not read a newspaper. No. 32% of women say they do this every day or most days. 27% of men say that. Hi, CGOB. Every day or most days. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's your answer? Ah, uh, you got me so I'll have to try again. I, I was going to say read the newspaper, but they said it already. <laughs> okay. I, I don't understand a word you said there, but uh, call back if you get an answer for us. Hi, CGOB. Hi there. Read a book? Read a book, yes. Yes. 32% of women say they read a book every day or most days compared to 27% of men. What is your name, sir? Jason. Jason? Yep. You are going to see Rod Stewart April 3rd at Bell MTS Place. Sweet. Isn't that fantastic? You bet. Yeah, last pair of Rod Stewart tickets on this show, and you got them. I'm happy for you. Let's turn this up. Let's take a bit of Rod Stewart here. It's kind of a Friday afternoon, sort of Thursday, but a lot of people are off tomorrow, so turn it up, Jeff. That's going to be a good show. Rod Stewart, April 3rd, Bell MTS Place. So we're talking about, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new Roseanne uh, show with one of the couch potatoes, Jeff Braun. But I put it out there. I said, well, what, what show would you like to see uh, brought back? And we're getting some uh, reaction by text to that. Um, sort of a related text here from Tim. Hal, I got rid of cable a few years ago, but had to sign up again for three months to watch the Jets win the cup. Go, Jets, go. Yeah, I hear you, Tim. I think a lot of people maybe who cut the quarter are uh, either reattaching the cord or thinking about doing that. No question about it. Yeah. Uh, Blair says, Hal, I typically don't care for reboots because they seem to always mess it up for me, but I would love to see them bring back a couple of canceled shows uh, that were on the upswing on their ratings, and then they got canceled for some odd reason. No Ordinary Family. I have no idea what show that is. And the other one uh, that he'd like to see come back is 
the Glades. I'm sorry, Matt. I don't know either of those shows. But for you, Blair, I hope they bring them back. I really do hope they bring them back. And I also got another text message here. Hal, no name on this one. Hal, the bestest, bestest TV show was all in the family with Archie and Eat It. He even typed it, Eat It. Eat It Bunker. Archie and Eat It Bunker. It was the bestest. And the bestest, bestest, all that stuff is in capital letters. Uh, they were great. Bring it back, please. Was a great show. I'm not so sure you could do that show today, to be honest with you. I don't know if you could. And one of my all-time favorite theme songs as well. Let's play the theme song. All in the family to a break here on CJOB. It's 140 with Hal Anderson. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. to show accurate depiction of our country you know people are really i know so many families you know uh that are divided over the election still and they still like you know are fighting and stuff so we wanted to show that and how our family deals with it and we all have the hope that people will start talking to each other again because that's what we need that is roseanne barr explaining why roseanne on the reboot of her show is a trump supporter yes she is a trump supporter on the new roseanne one of the couch potatoes uh jeff braun is here to chat about this i wanted to talk to you about this yesterday roseanne because i watched and i really enjoyed it same here but i'm kind of glad i waited until today because now we have the ratings that show the reboot of roseanne had 18.2 million viewers. Whoa. They say that number is going to go up after they factor in people that recorded it yeah. and watched it later. Huh. That's a 5.1 rating in the money demo, 18 to 49. And 18.2 million is higher than the series finale got back in 1997. It got 16.6 million. This new <laughs> reboot, the first episode, got 18.2 million. So two million more people have found the show since it went off the Isn't air. that crazy? That is crazy. You don't TV shows don't get those kind of numbers anymore. Yeah. That's insane. No, it's uh it's nuts. Here's a clip from the show, Roseanne talking to her sister Jackie about being a Trump supporter. How could you have voted for him, Roseanne? He talked about jobs, Jackie. He said he'd shake things up. I mean, this might come as a complete shock to you, but we almost lost our house the way things are going. Have you looked at the news? Because now things are worse. Not on the real news. Oh, police! And what makes this even more interesting, Jeff, Mm -hmm. is the fact that the president, Donald Trump, actually (laughs) called Roseanne. Of course he did. A real-life Trump supporter, by the way, to congratulate her on her huge, huge ratings because, of course, we know how he loves ratings right <laughs> it was the only tv show that's aired in the last 
you know, since he became president that had anything good to say about him. <laughs> well, that's That true. wasn't on Fox News. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see why he was a fan. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you're right. He's always been just ratings obsessed. So. Yeah. Well, sure. He used to say, oh, I was uh, number one on The Apprentice when it wasn't even in the top ten. Yeah. He was just, when oh, it came that's, to ratings. that's Trump styles, right? Yeah. Uh, inauguration sizes yeah. and all that kind Anyhow, of thing. Anyhow, enough Trump talk. What did <laughs> well, you like about the new Roseanne, the I reboot d- of Roseanne? I did like that she was a Trump supporter and that the sister was a Hillary supporter yeah. because, uh, I mean, that has got to be a conversation slash uh, nail-digging fight that's yeah. going on in thousands of American homes. Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, kudos to them for just, like, yeah. putting, you know, putting down their head and just running yeah. full force right into the, yeah. the biggest thing going on in America. Why and, not? And, hey, it seems to be working for Stephen Colbert. He is relentless every night going after Trump, and his ratings are up. He is now yeah. beating Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. So really? there's something to it. Yeah. There seems to be any. For sure. So, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's dumb when shows, to some degree, ignore it because it's basically the main thing that's happening in America right now, right? So I yeah. like that. I liked the, I liked everything about it. I mean, they've been, always been really good about being, you know, they're funny, and then they can slip into drama, and then, but come back into the comedy all in the, like in the same scene. They're, they are so good at that. So good at that. Yeah. yeah. Like here's a clip I want to play for you. The line that I like, the storyline that I liked in in the new Roseanne is that her grandson yeah. likes to dress up in colors and even had a skirt on at one point. This is Roseanne's grandson. And He's so like you eight can, years old or something yeah. like that, right? And so you can imagine, you know, the issues for this kid at school. Right. And to your point, look how they weave into a real serious issue, yet have fun along the way. Listen. Here's the thing. You are weird. <laughs> I'm weird. This whole family is really weird. Right? <laughs> So you just got to hang in there until people figure out that weird is cool. When is that? I don't know, but it'll happen. And in the meantime, you just find the other weird kids and you hide amongst them. (laughs) By the time the bullies make their way through to you, there'll be a pile so high of glasses, retainers, and headgear, they'll never get over it. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, real issues that families deal with on a daily basis, and they do it with such love and care and with such a great sense of humor. And, and yeah, and just the realness of it all. And they always did it. Now, when the show was first on, I was a teenager and growing up into my 20s or whatever. Yeah. And I probably didn't, I didn't even realize that that's what was happening. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But th- thinking back on it, and then when I was watching the new one this week, I was yeah. like, I was like, wow, this is a show that really gets a lot of TV shows, especially, you know, something, something that came back like a full house or whatever. You know, it would have its serious moments, and it'd be the most corny thing you ever yeah. saw. And something about the Connors was just like, okay, that's, yeah. that's actually real life in a sitcom format. It's it's so hard for shows to do. The old Roseanne did it. It looks like the new Roseanne is going to do it. And if first episode ratings are any indication, this is going to be the big reboot hit. I mean, yep. Will and Grace is doing really well. Um, but this one, it, it's going to be a monster. I mean, 18.2 million people <laughs> is crazy. It is. It's not. Nothing. No, I don't even think Game of Thrones gets that on their no, good days. No. And Walking Dead, which was number one uh, on TV for a long time, I think at its peak got around 16 or 17 yeah, yeah. million. So, I mean, uh, this is just crazy. But now here's the bad news. The bad news is the success of this means that Hollywood likely... Is going to keep going back 
to the uh, VHS bin. If they can bring back shows and make them as good as this was, though, then I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, but I don't have a whole lot of faith we'll in We'll see Hollywood what the week two looks like as well, because there's going to be bound to be some people that just didn't like it, right? Sure. And some people will go away. That's a, a lot yeah, of hype. There was a curiosity yeah, factor yeah, yeah, here. So. Yeah. But anyhow, first episode, yeah. I liked it. Uh, I think it's going to do well, and but I'm just worried that Hollywood's going to go, hey, let's bring back Bosom Buddies, <laughs> you know, or some horrible Small piece Wonder. Of crap. If they bring back Small Wonder, that's it. I, <laughs> You're done, I, eh? I get in a boat and just go out to sea. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jeff, thanks a lot. You yeah. got tomorrow off like uh, most of us around here? As far as I know. Excellent. Uh, but you can hear the couch potatoes, both Jeff and Brett McGarry, on Saturday, right after Global News at high noon, and on Sunday, right after the 6 p.m. Global News. And, of course, you can get them on Google Play and iTunes in podcast form. Jeffrey, thank you. Thank you. Jeff Braun. And now let's uh, go to some of your text messages here. The question, what show, what old show would you like to see them bring back? 204-780-6868. No name on this one. Hal, I think it would be cool to see a reboot of the Rockford Files. I like the Rockford Files back in the day. You know, the detective uh, show was huge, right? There were so many of them. Rockford Files, Cannon, Magnum P.I. There were tons of them. And you don't see those much anymore. There are cop shows on TV now, but not those private detective uh, uh, shows. But uh, anyhow, I was talking earlier. Somebody texted in saying Gilligan's Island. Somebody here is saying, Hal, hate to break the bad news to you, but Gilligan's Island would never work now. What are the chances seven people get stranded on an island and no one has a cell phone with GPS? LOL. I don't know. Myself, I get to the cottage and sometimes my cell phone doesn't want to work. So I'm not so sure you're right on that. But, uh, yeah, obviously technology is different now than, uh, you know, back in the day when Gilligan's Island was on TV. Um, another text message here. The Monsters. Somebody says, hey, what about The Monsters? That was a, a good show. Uh, Mick says, bring back Kojak. Who loves you, baby? Sucking on a sucker. Who loves you, baby? And uh, one more here. Dylan says, how? How can any show even compare to Cheers? They could bring that show back without missing a beat. Yeah, I think you're right, Dylan. But, again, almost perfection, right? Do you mess with perfection? They've done it with, uh, listen, I don't think Will and Grace or even Roseanne were perfection. So, you know, but uh, Cheers is one of those shows. It's like MASH, right? It's another. It's a show that I'm not so sure you want to mess with. But, hey, I might be completely off base on that. But thanks for the uh, text message, Dylan. I appreciate it. And Jim is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Let's see if we can squeeze Jim in here before the news. Hi, Jim. Oh, hi, Al. I got two shows I'd like to see rebooted again. All right. Hill Street Blues and Barney Miller. Yeah, well, Barney Miller's, well, I guess that was a a cop show, not not a private detective show. Yeah, that was a good one. And, And what was the other one? Uh, but Hill Street Blues. Oh, yeah. Hill, well, that was yeah. that's another classic. But, yeah, that yeah. was a really good show back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Did you catch that, what I just said? Don't drink the coffee? Because uh, yeah. it was a Jack So. <laughs> right. He used to always make that coffee. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Hey, Jim, thank okay. you, bud. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Okay, and a few more text messages coming in here. Captain Kangaroo, uh, Lost in Space, 
Somebody is suggesting maybe Lost in Space, Dinosaurs. Mm, I, some of these, I don't know if they were great shows to begin with, let alone you know bring them back and, and reboot them on TV. James. Hi, James. I got 30 seconds for you. Okay. How about uh, Captain Kangaroo or the Friendly Giant? Somebody else just said Captain Kangaroo. Friendly Giant. I love Friendly Giant as a kid. That was fantastic. Yeah. And people are coming in with some text messages here. I'll just quickly roll them off. Uh, Thank you, James. Appreciate the call. And keep the calls coming. I'll talk to you during the news if you want. Uh, Somebody is suggesting uh, Frasier. They should reboot Frasier. Uh, Again, classic, right? And a spinoff from from Cheers, obviously. And uh, Quincy. And another one here. My name is Earl. Thanks for all your text messages and phone calls and emails. Tristan Field-Jones has global news at 2. Next, it's Alan, CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ. 2.04. And before we talk to Shannon Sampert here, political scientist from the University of Winnipeg, we got a traffic traffic tip on the phone here, 204-780-6868. Hi, CJOB. Hi there. I don't know what's going on with the traffic, but southbound by the St. James Bridge is really, really just crawling, and it's affecting Academy that we turned on to as well. So southbound Route 90? Yeah. Southbound yeah. Route 90 right by the St. James Bridge, right? Eh? Yeah, all the way up to Academy. We turned off on Academy, and it's even very slow and busy. All right, thank you. We'll get it out there. What's your name? Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah, really appreciate your, especially your traffic tips. Love getting phone calls, uh, whatever it's about, 204-780-6868. Your phone calls take priority. When I'm on the air, your call is the most important thing to me, but especially when it's helpful like that and we can let other people know about a problem out there. So thank you very much for your important phone calls. All right, Shannon Sampert, political scientist at the University of Winnipeg, joins us on the phone now. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Hi, thank you for doing this. So we're talking a bit today on CJOB about how important it is for you to vote for a candidate that lives in your riding at whatever level of government. And what got us talking about this is the fact that Dugault Lamont, the liberal leader in Manitoba, We'll run in St. Boniface. He lives in Fort Rouge. We'll get to his chances in St. Boniface in a bit, but weigh in as a political scientist on how important it is that that candidate be in your riding. Well, other camp candidates will obviously make this an issue. If they live in the riding, they'll, they'll talk about the fact that, you know, he doesn't have a sense of what it's like to be in the riding. He's not one of us. But, you know, this is not the first candidate that has come into a riding and hasn't lived in the riding and still won an election. Uh, you know, uh, Robert Falconolette is an example. Uh, Marianne Mahaychuk is another example yeah. of individuals who have won in ridings that they didn't live in. And, um, you know, an appreciation of the riding is what's necessary. Uh, Dougal Lamont does speak French. Uh, he is aware of the riding, um, and uh, these ridings uh, are they, they are unique, but they also share some similarities with, you know, uh, share some similarities with Fort Rouge. It's not that far away, and it's not that different. Um, so he has an opportunity to, if he does win, he has an opportunity to move to that riding and represent it. The thing is also how um, ridings are important, or politicians do well if they have good constituency offices, mm. and that's the key. So a politician wins. 
and immediately should set up a strong constituency office with a strong constituency manager that then makes a point of staying connected within that community. And that means, uh, you know, doing town hall meetings regularly, meeting with people regularly, keeping the fingers on the pulse of what is happening within that constituency. If he is the leader and he wins and he is the leader of the Liberals, he's not going to have a lot of time to be actually in that constituency anyway. So that constituency office responsibility will be to ensure that he is made aware of what is going on and the manager, the hiring of the manager will be key. So, you know... The parties, other parties will make this an issue, but sure. frankly, overall, it's, it, it really won't be a big deal. All right, so let's talk about Dougal Lamont in St. Bonavis. He ran there before, ended up in second place. Not a bad showing against Selinger. How do you think he'll do this time? Well, the nice thing is, is uh, coming in this time around, he has a better shot, I would think, from uh, the perspective of better name recognition this time around. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, he is coming in as the leader of the Liberals, so uh, a little bit more uh, higher of a ranking. The Liberals uh, this time around are maybe riding some waves of some popularity, given that uh, Mr. Pallister and Mr. Canoe and the NDP um, are suffering, I think, from some... Uh, backlash. Both of them have a bit of luggage that they're dealing with right now, so the Liberals might do well. So there's an opportunity here for uh, Mr. Lamont to actually uh, do do well and uh, run a good campaign. Um, And hopefully uh, the the Liberals will uh, will, uh, do better than the last time around. Uh, But if he fails... That's a, that's a big failure, and yeah. it, 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 it's it's very scary. It's a it's a it's a frightening uh, proposition. Yeah, but if he wins, of course, then the Liberals get official party status, and that's huge, right? Yes, that is huge. Uh, so that is what uh, what what this is all the bananas right now for this riding. All eyes will be on uh, this riding for them. What what it means is they actually will be able to start asking questions. They'll be able to have uh, some funds for research, uh, and it suddenly elevates them in the uh, to official party status in the legislature and uh, gives them uh, a real opportunity to have a voice. Uh, he no longer sits on the outside. He sits on the inside, and he'll be able to participate in question period. And, um, and, and you know, there's a legitimacy to that. Uh, suddenly you stop being uh, on the outside looking in. Yeah. Shannon, there's so much going on with his hydro story. I don't really want to get into it, but I do want to ask you, how damaging do you think this could be for Premier Pallister and his Tories, the hydro mess? It, well, it is a mess, and it looks uh, bad considering who the individuals are that walked out. Sanford Riley, Sandy Riley, is a very well-known businessman, very, very well-respected. It would be completely different if it was a different board. Uh, But it was a board that Brian Pallister put in place. And so this is one of those things where you kind of look at the guy who walked out and you think to yourself, this is not an ordinary Joe. You know, this this is a very respected businessman. And when he walks, you got to say to yourself, there's got to be something big going on here mm-hmm. where that man says, I don't agree with what's going on. So there, this one hurts. This one hurts uh, Brian Pallister. Uh, and uh, there's, there's some serious uh, damage control going on right now with the, with the Tories. Well, and we'll see how it plays out. Shannon, thank you very much for your time again. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Shannon Sampert, always appreciate her insight. Shannon is a professor, political science uh, professor at the University of Winnipeg, and a text message just came in, no name on this one. The texter says, 
Hal, I believe our premier doesn't live in his constituency. You are absolutely right. Now, I don't think it's that big a deal, but it's definitely a good discussion to have. And Dugal Lamont, by the way, in uh, who is going to run in St. Bonavis uh, for the Liberals, he, of course, is the Liberal leader, says he would consider moving to that riding if he wins. He's in Fort Rouge now. I don't think it's – I think it's more important to get somebody good, get good people running for office as opposed to saying, well, no, you can't run because, you know, you're two or three miles outside the, the riding or the – or the constituency, or the or the area of the city, for example, if you're a, a, a councillor. All right, uh, let's uh, go back to television shows. We're talking a bit today about Roseanne. Over 18 million people watched Roseanne the other night, first show. More people watched the first episode of the reboot than watched the last episode of the old Roseanne series, Back in 1997, 16 million people watched that one, and over 18 million watched this one. Quickly, just a, a couple of things here, and then we'll uh, take a break. And uh, coming up, we're going to find out what's new in theaters this weekend from the other couch potato, Brett McGeary, who will join us in a bit. Terry has been waiting on the phone very patiently, 204-780-6868. Hello, Terry. Hello, is this Hal? Yes, it is. You know, I'm going way back. Like, you're 53, I'm 70, so I got some old TV shows that maybe some of your listeners will better remember. All right. Route, Route 66, that's when I first got my uh, aching for a Corvette. I've had three of them since that. Uh, <laughs> Surfside 6, Sunside Strip, Real McCoy's. Mike Hammer with Darren McGavin, Riverboat with Darren McGavin, and Burt Reynolds. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, that's a list there. That's a list, Terry. Yeah. Did you ever see Route 66 with George Maharis and Martin Milner? I've seen bits and pieces of episodes, but no, that's before my time. Well, you should maybe get back at Google or get All on right. there or something Good. and watch it. Okay, Terry, thank you. Okay, thanks, Al. Yeah, appreciate the call, Terry. 204-780-6868. Here are some text messages. Shows people would like to see brought back. Home improvement. That one's from uh, Richard. Don says, Hal, what about Night Court? There's a good show. Night Court was another good show. Doug says, All in the Family. We talked about that earlier. I'm not sure they could do that show now, to be honest with you. Uh, played the uh, the theme earlier. Trucker Ernie texting us. 204 780 6868. He says, uh, Hal, I'd like to see Get Smart come back and also A Team. That would be another good one to see back on TV. Here is somebody suggesting Mr. Dress Up, but with a different star. The texture says, Hal, how about Mr. Dress Up starring Justin Trudeau? Uh, and one more here from Dave. Hal, you were playing uh, All in the Family theme song earlier. One of my favorites. Sanford and Son. Yes, Dave, you are absolutely right, and we will play it to a break. Hal Anderson on CJOB.
right, uh, 220, 20 after 2, Hal Anderson here on CJOB. We had Jeff Braun earlier on talking about the new Roseanne. And now the other couch potato, Brett McGarry, with what's new in theaters this weekend. Here he is, Brett McGarry. From director Steven Spielberg comes a world where you can do anything and be anyone. I'm trying it. Cool. The big one this weekend is Ready Player One from director Steven Spielberg. It's based on the 2011 book of the same name by author Ernest Cline. The movie is set in 2045. It follows a young man named Wade who lives in Columbus, Ohio. The world is overpopulated and quite frankly kind of gross. So people escape the real world by entering a virtual world called The Oasis. They called our generation the missing millions. Missing not because we went anywhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere except the Oasis. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. A world where the limits of reality are your own imagination. And in the Oasis, you can do anything. Go anywhere. Be anyone. Tall, beautiful, scary, a different sex, different species. You can climb Mount Everest with Batman. Cool. Wow, so much slower here. You forget what it's like to be outside. Now you heard the Batman reference there. And in the first clip, there was reference to the Iron Giant, King Kong, Chucky, that's the psychotic doll from the Child's Play movies. The primary car we see in this film is the Back to the Future DeLorean. Gandalf the Grey is featured. Robocop. The pop culture references are endless. And that's the interesting thing about the book. I haven't read it, but some who have love it, and some who have hate it, saying it's not a story, it's just a battering of pop culture references that just go on and on and on. Also, because much of the movie is spent inside a video game, that means CGI overload, but it's a Steven Spielberg movie, and based on the reviews, sounds like he's put together a fun movie that demands to be seen on the big screen. Okay, here. Clark Kent. I'm not wearing that. Meanwhile, there's something interesting happening on the small screen this weekend in conjunction with Easter. Jesus Christ Superstar Live! Yep, it's another one of those live musicals. NBC has so far done The Sound of Music, Peter Pan, The Wiz, Hairspray, Fox has done Grease and A Christmas Story, and now NBC is doing Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar on Sunday night. And R&B superstar John Legend is playing Jesus. You His co-stars are Sarah Bareilles and Alice Cooper. I'm Brett McGarry. That's entertainment on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Brett. Couch Potatoes, both of them, right after the news at noon on Saturday and right after the 6 p.m. news on Sunday. And, of course, the podcast, Google Play and iTunes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun. CJOB's Couch Potatoes.
Back to what television show would you like to see brought back? Let's go to the phone. Bill is on the line, 204-780-6868. Hello, Bill. Yeah, hi. Hi. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, the show Last Man Standing uh, come back. Uh, I don't know why they were canceled. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's more than just ratings. I think it had pretty good ratings, but sometimes the stars make lots of money or, you know, something better comes along or who who knows why these shows come and go. Oh, I don't know. It was such a good show. Family show it was just, it had everything. Eh? It was just so funny. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Okay. So there's no, you don't know why it was canceled. I have no idea. I thought maybe somebody passed away, one of the stars. Mm, I don't know. I'll see if I can find out for you. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thank you. All right, text messages now on the same subject. What show would you like to see them bring back? Roseanne's doing really well. Over 18 million people watched the first episode of Roseanne the other night. Text message, 204-780-6868. Hal, I recently watched a few early episodes of Cheers. And most of Sam's comments to Diane would today be considered sexual assault. Uh, No way it would work today. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying about all in the family too, right? I'm not so sure it would work the way it would. Now, they could do it and change it up and and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I I don't think all in the family would work uh, either. Another text message here. Hal Beverly Hillbillies 2020 version. Lots of money. And no internet or cell phones. That might be kind of funny. Yeah, you could have some fun with that one, I think. May, uh, welcome back, Cotter. Another texter is suggesting. And Paul says at 204-780-6868, Hal, what about Quantum Leap? Quantum Leap. Hmm. And um, here, Bill, is the answer on Last Man Standing. The head of ABC says uh, about Last Man Standing, it was challenging. It was a tough one for me. It was a steady performer in the ratings, but once we made the decision not to continue with comedies on Friday nights, that was where we landed. So there you go. Like I said, lots of times there's. it's not just about ratings. It's about all kinds of other stuff. ABC decided to get away from the comedies on Friday, and that's why Last man standing got the axe. All right? 226. We're going to break here. We have global news for you at 2.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. And then Carolyn Klassen joins us from Conexus Counseling after the news. It's Hal and CJOB. Don't dwell on your failure no. because it's Hal Anderson here. Right, yes. Hal, Hal Anderson won't fail. No, dwell on my failure. There. Don't dwell on your own failure. Dwell on mine. I fail every day. Carolyn Klassen is here, and we are going to talk about your failure and dwelling on it. And is it good or bad? And we're going to talk kids' allowances, too. The other day we had a story where uh, parents, a lot of parents anyhow, are raiding their kids' piggy banks and raiding their kids' savings accounts to pay for day-to-day stuff for the family. And uh, we were sort of chatting about, you know, what is the going rate now for an allowance? And do you tie it to grades? And do you tie it to uh, chores around the house? So Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling. She joins us every Thursday from 2.30 to 3.00. And we're going to talk about that. And we'll see what else comes up. And if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. Carolyn, how are you today? 
I'm well, and yourself? Good, good. excellent. Uh, it's good to see you always. So let's start with uh, kids' allowances. Mm-hmm. Are that is that even, I guess that's still a thing, eh? Oh, it's totally a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think that there's value in it being a thing because I think um, it's not just about the money. It's about teaching kids skills that are real life skills that if they start learning them when they turn 18, um, they're not, no good. They're not, you know, and so part of raising children is always preparing them and stretching them slightly for the next stage. And there's value in giving kids allowance in terms of having them understand um, the value of often sort of short-term, postponing short-term gain for some long-term gain where Mm -hmm. you get some delayed gratification if a person wants a certain something that they might have to save up weeks or even months of allowance or to be able to buy that thing. And so you get get that tension that's like, oh, I'd like to spend it now, but I won't because I'm saving. Mm -hmm. And then when they finally are able to buy that thing, then they feel the sense of accomplishment. Like, so there's lessons that can be learned through allowance that I think is really valuable. Yeah. Do you tie it to grades and chores around the house or what your thought on that? Well, my personal thought is that that's a little bit dangerous. Um, if a person, if you say you can get X amount of allowance if you do your chores like empty the dishwasher and set the table, then the kid can say, well, I don't feel like emptying the dishwasher and setting the table, so I'll forgo my allowance and just not do those things. Ah. Uh, and I think um, what it does is it absolves, it makes it makes some of the, the things that are a part of being a family, a part of being a community optional because then it's a tied to a reward. And I think that there's a, so sort of this inherent thing that says um, that children should not be paid to meet reasonable day-to-day family responsibilities, that we need and expect your help as a valued member of the family, and that in this family we all set the table together. And it's mm-hmm. not a chore that you earn money for. It's actually a time yeah. where we enjoy being together. We have fun. We participate together. We lighten each other's load by just participating because work is a part of life, and yeah. we, you just start getting used to it and not see it as a bad thing that you need to... Remember Tom Sawyer where he... <laughs> With the, with the fence and the money and the window, like once yeah. you start rewarding people for their behavior, then they're only doing it because they're getting paid, not because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And chores are just the right thing to do. Yeah. If you're going to be a member of this family, that's part of the gig. That's right. Yeah. 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 That parents aren't designed to do all the work and make life easy for the kids until they turn 18 and then they have mm-hmm. to do it all themselves. That doesn't work, right? That yeah. children gradually take on increasing responsibility at home, not tied to, to allowance, but tied to mm-hmm. aging maturity and aging ability to take on more responsibilities in the household because that's what life is. Yeah. Same concern tying allowance to grades or is that different? Well, I think uh, what you would want is for a child to get good grades because good grades are going to, it feels good to get good grades, mm-hmm. right? And if you are tying money to grades, then I think there's this, this, um, it can actually decrease motivation because if a person says, well, I, then I won't get the thing. I just, I'll, I'll give up and then I won't study hard. That people don't get the chance to say, hey, I like getting good grades for the sake of getting good grades. I like trying hard because trying hard is something that is, is a value of mine. I want to work hard. Yeah. I want to do the right thing because I have the opportunity to attend school. Uh, uh, not everybody in this world gets a chance to attend school. So mm-hmm. that already is its own privilege. Yeah. Let me take advantage of it and leverage it for my own success that I'm not tying it mm-hmm. to some immediate reward. I'm doing it because it's going to get me ahead in life. And what about amount? Do you have any ideas on amounts? Uh, it, it, should it be a, a small, more insignificant amount of money or should it be more substantial? 
Well, the amount, I think it, you know, so much of... Well, it depends on how much money mom and dad have, right? It depends, right. So it depends on age. It depends on family income. It depends on the ability of parents to be able to support an allowance. I think people, kids need to understand. uh, And I think, so allowance just isn't something that you hand over. Allowance is something you discuss. So in our household, we give an allowance, but the kid understands why the amount is what it is. We have discussed with our child about how that money gets divided up. So some of it goes into sort of long-term savings. So someday when he has a big dream, he's mm. got money towards it. So it's not just his to blow. It's not just his to blow. It's And then there's another amount that he can use for, he can save for more immediate, like a video game or something mm. like that. And then he's also expected to give a certain percentage. And he was the one that came up with the percentage of what he was going to give to charity to sort of recognize that others have less than he does. Mm. And he's going to um, make others' lives better because of the resources that he's been given. And so it's something that happens in discussion. This is the amount we've come up with. It's tied. Different children can handle different amounts of responsibility. Um, different children have different goals and want to work towards different mm-hmm. things. So I think that there's it's something that becomes a family discussion between parents, between parents and child. And I think the discussion is just as important as the eventual outcome. Yeah. And I guess that's how... You know, they take that allowance, that experience with money, and, and now he's budgeting, right? So right. he's saying, okay, I'm going to give 10% to charity, and some of this is going to go away to, you know, maybe my college fund or or whatever, right? Right. And so he learns the value of sort of that long-term payoff with some short-term discomfort as he doesn't have as much money to spend mm-hmm. on the immediate video games. Yeah. But he's recognizing what it looks like to plan for the future, which is something that we want people to be able to have when they become adults and have full-scale budgets. Yeah. I will say, though, that I think it's also helpful to think about, well, I think it's important to just give allowance that's not tied to chores so that the kid just learns that setting the table is something you do as a member of the family. I do think that there's value in saying, okay, so if if the child says, I want, I have a goal and this is my goal and it's going to take forever to get there for allowance, what can I do to earn extra money? Mm. I think that's kind of a cool discussion to have of that in this world, the harder you work, often the better reward you have, right? Mm -hmm. And that when you work hard, you get to your goal sooner. I think that's uh, a lesson that I also want children to learn. And so when there's something that catches a child of mine's eye and he says, this is what I want, how can I get there? Then we build in ways of what can he do for extra chores around the house or how can he hand out, would he be better off handing out bills around the neighborhood to be able to rake leaves or to mow lawns? Like how can he become entrepreneurial to to reach his goals faster by putting in the sweat equity? I think there's something beautiful about that. Well, and and nothing wrong with, uh, you know, developing that entrepreneurial spirit in in all of us, including, you know, an eight or a 10-year-old kid. I mean, how many times have you driven by a lemonade stand, right? Absolutely. Or, you know, and I, I always stop and I may not have the lemonade, but I always give them whatever and a little and extra and I go, generously great a, job. Yes. Good for you guys. You yeah. know, that's a lifelong motto I have is yeah. always stop at a lemonade Absolutely. stand. Absolutely. Yeah. Any, any risk at all of giving kids an allowance and them just thinking that that money, oh, give me more, you know, it just, there's no... I guess that's where you have to tie it into what you expect and, and what you want them to do with the money. I just I just worry that, you know, if you give an allowance, does that kid then just think, well, just money gets handed to them? Well, I think you're wondering, is does that feed into entitlement, which mm-hmm. leads to um, adults who figure that they have something coming to them without working for it? Right. And I think it's part of a dis- larger discussion to say, this is what allowance is, this is what allowance isn't. Um, and in our household, 
if you're a member of the family, you get an allowance. But if you're a member of the family, you also participate mm-hmm. in thing, activities around the house. Um, not only chores, but also fun events. And we participate in conversation in the mealtime and we are polite to each other. And there's a whole package of what it means to belong to a family, only one of which is allowance. That there, it's being part of a family, there's a reciprocal relationship where we give and we take and we contribute to make each other's lives better. And that's that's an ongoing conversation that's a lot bigger than allowance, but I think is really helpful for families to have. Hopefully that answers uh, any questions you had the other day when we were talking about allowances. I think that's all really good stuff. Let's take a quick break. 2.42. When we come back, Carolyn Klassen, we're going to talk more with her about dwelling on failure. Good or bad thing. That's next. Hal Anderson on CJOB. Minus 8 current temperature feels like minus 15 when you factor in that west-northwest wind, which is blowing right now at 19 kilometers an hour. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. 2.47 is the time here Thursday afternoon. That means Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling. And we uh, were chatting about allowances and kids. And now we're going to talk about dwelling on failure. And is that a good idea? You've talked before about, you know, uh, when we talk to ourselves, you know, not calling ourselves losers and, ah, you're dumb, you know, why did you do that? And uh, I guess self-talk, negative self-talk. Right. What, what's the difference here? Why, why might dwelling on failure be a good thing? Well, I took a look at the link you lent, sent me. and then yeah, it's I, a story, yeah. Yeah, it was a news story, and then I clicked on the link that looked at the research, mm-hmm. and I skimmed through some of the research. And what the um, research says is that what they find is that when they're measuring sal- saliva and they're measuring stress hormones in the person's saliva throughout the study, what they found is that when people are spend some time writing about an experience of failure prior to a really stressful performance where they say the, 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 the expectation in this performance was I'm going to give you six minutes and I want you to come up with a five-minute speech about why you should get the job of your dreams and you're going to present it in front of people who, you know, are going to decide whether you should get it or not. Mm -hmm. So it was a really stressful experience. It meant a lot to them that when people were writing about a failure, previous experience of failure, that when they went into that stressful experience, they had lower stress hormones than when they just wrote about a movie that they had watched. And so they were sort of curious about why is it that people are better able to go into this experience lower with lower stress hormones. And the thing is, is that when people go into a high stress experience now where they're not sure of the outcome, but they go into it with lower stress hormones and the, the task involves them being able to think and being able to talk and being able to present themselves well – you actually can do better when your stress hormones are lower, right? Mm. It's good to go into stressful experiences where you're having to think through things with lower stress hormones because the higher your stress is, once it reaches a critical level, your ability to explain yourself and to be able to talk articulately goes down because that flight, fright, or freeze takes you out of the smartest parts of your brains and puts you into more of that flight or, or you know, that, that emergency part of your yeah. brain, which isn't as articulate. So when they looked at, so what is it about writing about a loss experience that is different than just writing about a movie? It actually made a lot of sense. And I, I'm i putting some words into some of what was written yeah, in this article. Yeah, break it down for us, though, yeah. But I think what when you write about an experience of failure, what it does is a couple of things. One is it's, it has you go into the next high-stress experience. It has you go into the next experience saying, well, I am going into this 
opening myself up to the possibility of another failure because I have already failed in the past, Mm -hmm. which is way different than often when we enter something is I better do this perfectly because if I don't do this perfectly, I'm going to go from being a person that is on top of their game to now I'm going to become a failure. Mm -hmm. And to sort of know that you have an identity, that part of what you do in your life is that you have some failures makes going into the next next experience where you might fail not such a big deal because you're not trying to remain perfect. You're just going into it as a flawed human being who's had previous experiences of failure. You're going to go into this. You're going to do your best job, but you're not sure how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, and I think there is something to that. Uh, I think that when I, and we've talked about this before too, we talk about a lot of things over, over and over again, <laughs> but uh, in different ways. I think with me, I do look at negative things as learning experiences. So failures I think probably, and it sounds kind of hokey and corny, but I think we do learn more from a failure than we learn from a success. That's not corny or hokey. It's actually brain science. Yeah, I, I think sure. it's it's absolute. But it it sounds you know sort of like a like an old saying that you'd say that you know your dad used to always say. But I think it's true. I think that we really do uh, learn a lot from our failures, and and I personally don't mind looking at them. I've got lots. We do say that, um, and it is true. The challenge is that often people use that line right after a big failure as a way to sort of help the other person feel better, right? When your team has just lost the championship after training all season to say, well, you're going to learn a lot from this. Somebody just wants to smack you in the face because they wanted to win, right? Yeah, right. So uh, I think we have to watch the timing of when we use that line, but it is absolutely true. And I think that was the other part of what came up in this research is that as people are writing about an experience of failure, it's actually empowering because um, when you're writing about an experience of failure, you're writing about it as 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 it is something that has happened in your past, mm-hmm. and you have a chance to be self-reflective about it. What is it that I did that contributed toward the failure, and so what am I going to change up now and do differently? Mm-hmm. What is it that no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't have impacted that anyway, so it's not fair to blame myself, right? Yeah. A lot of times our failures were due to circumstances beyond our control, right? If we were in a car accident, we were rear-ended in the middle of a street where there wasn't a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. That feels like a failure because now we have to get our car fixed, but it wasn't our fault, right? There's nothing we could have done. And yet our tendency is to blame ourselves for everything always. So um, when you're reflecting on failure, you have a chance to say, what was in my control and what could I do differently? What wasn't in my control and I can let go of and not hold myself responsible for so that you go into the next experience that is high risk to say, I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to let the rest go so I can feel more confident. Mm-hmm. And wiser. So, so you wanted to talk, you wanted to ask me how I handle my. What did you yeah. want to do? Yeah, I just would love to know about. Ask me some questions. Go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're the interviewer. I'm the interviewee. So when you think about doing this, yeah. you know, if you were going to go into a really high stress experience, mm-hmm. but first of all, I was going to ask you to write for five minutes about a fear experience of failure. Yeah. What would that be like for you? Um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that because I, as I said, I do have lots of. Uh, I've I've had lots of failures. Okay. Um. Yeah, I've always been that guy who just goes for it. I've never I've never really worried too much about, gee, is this going to work out or not? I've always just I've always just gone for it and cuz I I do have a lot of confidence in what I'm able to do. I think I'm I think I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff. Maybe not great at much, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and in radio, that's kind of the way we need to be because we need to be able to talk about a lot of different things, right? You got to sure. know a little bit about everything. 
and uh, maybe not be an expert in, in, in one or two things, right? if that makes any sense. Well, and what I hear is that then writing about an experience of failure would actually be kind of self-comforting because it would remind you, yeah, I failed before, but I still always kind of landed on my feet. Yeah. Um, failing is okay because I'm good enough at enough things that the occasion of failure isn't going to be a big deal. Yeah. And if those are the kinds of things that you're saying to yourself as mm-hmm. you're going into the big next scary venture, can you imagine how it would set you up for lower stress and better performance. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Now, the interesting thing about studies like this and and when we talk about some issues like this, everybody's different though, right? Sure. I mean, I I lots of times I read these studies and this research and I kind of go, "Well, yeah, but that maybe that works for me, but it doesn't work for you, Carolyn, or it doesn't work for Jeff who's pushing the buttons producing the show today because his personality is this way and yours is that way and it, I just don't. I I just think we're so different in so many ways. I'm not so sure you can talk in generalities about some of this stuff. Well, you raise a really good point because what I looked at here was the literature, and they listed their sample size. So what they did was they looked at a certain number of people. The number was over a hundred people, and they did this research over a broad spectrum of people. Mm-hmm. They measured saliva at several points throughout the test to measure their stress levels, the cortisol levels, and recorded those. And then they graphed them and they looked at trends. And so when you look at the trends, they say that overall, when you spend some time reflecting on experiences of failure, it sets you up to do better going into the next stressful situation. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean there weren't individuals in that study who actually did worse because they reflected on their experiences of failure. And I think it's important to recognize that research looks at the patterns and there's always individuals within those patterns that that are outliers and that don't fit the data. Mm -hmm. And that's not wrong. It's just real. And so there's room for individuality and room for recognizing that when I go, for some of you people who are listening to say, that's the wrong thing for me to do is to reflect on my past experiences of failure before I go into a stressful job interview. If you know that about yourself, then just disregard this data because this is for general population, not for specific individuals. Right. And I think that's a really good point with yeah. all of this stuff all is that, it. yeah, it may not work for you, right? No. And I think, and how do you give yourself space and permission to get to know yourself and to allow yourself to be unique and to know yourself well enough and to live out of who you are and know who how you work and how you roll and to do things in light of that and to honor and respect your personal style and preference. Carolyn Klassen, give me your phone number, your website, please. Oh, we'd love to have you check in with us. Uh, Our website is connexuscounseling.ca, and you could give us a call if you have questions, 204-275-1045. Are you getting a long weekend? I am getting a long weekend. Excellent. We'll enjoy it, and we'll talk to you next Thursday. You bet. Carolyn Klassen with Hal Anderson on CJOB. The news is next. Anytime during a show. Absolutely. Phone calls, very important uh, for me as far as I'm concerned, and especially when they're traffic calls so we can get that out to everybody else. Hal Anderson on CJOB heading for Easter weekend. It's 3.07. Global News reporter Dinah Foxhall is here now. She is just back from learning of a plan that the uh, WRHA has with firefighters and paramedics to speed up the process of getting patients out of ambulances and into hospitals. Tell us about it, Diana. 
So Hal, this is um, an initiative that is expected to gain about 8,000 hours annually for uh, paramedics on the road. Previously, um, the WRHA had kind of had an issue where there were backlogs of paramedics getting stuck in the hospital, waiting for patients to be transferred into the hospital's care. And they're just announcing today that they're going to be streamlining procedures to make sure that that time is cut down and that more paramedics are allowed back onto the road. So the goal has always kind of been for paramedics to get their patients into the hospital with about a 30-minute time in mind. That goal is not unreasonable, but it's it's a pretty high goal. So right now the WRHA is saying they want to allow that transfer in about 45 minutes. Currently, it's about an hour for that transition, so they'd like to cut it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're going to be saving quite a bit of time there, and they're also going to be saving some money. One thing that we learned was... um, Previously in 2015, they had been spending almost $100,000 each month on just fees paid to the fire paramedic service for paramedics who are waiting with those patients in the hospital. Mm. So this is expected to speed that up. Um, and the deputy chief of Winnipeg, Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, Christian Smith, he he explains sort of what that's going to look like on the fire paramedic side. We have uh, processes in place uh, when we have multiple patients uh, waiting at the hospital. Uh, in some cases, we will... Uh, pair paramedics with patients so rather than a paramedic caring for one one patient uh, we may uh, pair them with uh, two or three patients and then return the other ambulances to service out in the out in the community so time and money they figure will be saved here big time yeah time and money um, they didn't sort of give any sort of concrete examples of the specific things that they were going to be doing mm-hmm. to kind of make this happen. But it was more just we are making sure everything is streamlined and cohesive so that there's better communication so certain departments know when they might need to pitch in and help emergency departments mm-hmm. because obviously certain emergency departments can get a little overwhelmed at times. That's something we're hearing about. Um, but one thing that uh, Christian Smith did say was fire paramedic will be looking to see, okay, maybe this person doesn't necessarily need to go to the emergency department. Maybe they can go to urgent care. So that's going to be another thing that they're going to be working on to make sure the person goes to the best place possible. Mm-hmm. And um, Krista Williams explains sort of how much money they are saving. So she gives some number of figures, but just keep in mind that those are per month that the WRHA was paying out to the paramedics. It's not an annual figure, it's a monthly figure. We had that clarified after. All right. In 2015, um, that across the region, we spent around $95,000 in uh, delay of uh, transfer of care fees. Um, This has been significantly reduced in 2017. It was approximately $61,000. So we've continued to make good improvements and the emergency department staff are um, applauded for the work that they have done to be able to achieve that. um, with this further change, um, there will no longer be those uh, those fees uh, charged. That is Krista Williams. Now, uh, I'm not sure we had this figure on air. I know off air you told me the hours they're hoping to save. Was it 8,000? 8, 8,000 hours they're expecting to sort of take back from the paramedics who have been waiting. So they're expecting to make up 8,000 hours more that they'll be able to have paramedics on the road as opposed to sitting in waiting rooms and taking care of patients who haven't yet being brought into the hospital set, hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And this is immediate? This begins right now or? I believe it's April. So April. in the coming yeah. days, this is taking effect. So right. uh, we're looking at definitely 
no more thousands on thousands of dollars in fees and ideally a better process for getting paramedics back out onto the road and patients into emergency rooms faster. Very good. Diana Foxall, thank you very much. Global News reporter Diana Foxall on that. And uh, the story will continue to uh, be covered here on CJOB into the news at 4 o'clock with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. 3.11 now at CJOB. We were talking today uh, after Roseanne came back with over 18 million people watching the first episode of the Roseanne reboot. We asked you, what other shows would you like to see brought back? Let me just rattle off the long list here. Man, you guys have been texting like crazy. The Wonder Years is one that several people would like to see come back. Let's ask the question, and I'll throw it out there. We are talking about ratings. Over 18 million watched the new Roseanne the other night. Uh, Les is asking, Hal, what were the ratings for uh, the porn star interview on uh, 2020 with Anderson Cooper? I think it was 22 million people watched that. So a lot of people watched that as well. I think that was the highest ratings for uh, 60 minutes in like a decade since they talked to Obama one time. WKRP in Cincinnati, yes. And by the way, the answer to your question is, Yes, it is just like that at a real radio station. It's just like that here at CGOB, Power 97, and Peggy. Uh, Tool Time. Somebody said, I want to see Tool Time back. Tool Time was actually the fake show on the TV show, right? What was that show called, Jeff? Do you remember? Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Thank you. Home Improvement. Tool Time was the show that he did on the show Home Improvement. And he'd always screw things up. Yeah, always messed it up. Happy Days, Taxi, there's a couple more somebody wants to see back on TV. Cheers, Night Court, Married with Children, Boston Legal, L.A. Law. Thank you, Jamie, for all of those. Uh, Mike says he would like to see Airwolf and Blue Thunder back on TV. Deadwood, says another texter. The new newlywed game. Uh, Newhart Show, somebody says. Get Smart. Tom's got a list. Get Smart. Gilligan's Island. Love Boat. Fantasy Island. Sonny and Cher. Tough to do Sonny and Cher. Sonny's not around anymore, but I know what you mean. It was a good show. Carol Burnett was hilarious, Tom says. Yes, absolutely. Great show. Um, Dennis says, hey, what about bringing back living in living color? Remember the Fly Girls? Do you know who one of the Fly Girls was? Jennifer Lopez was one of the Fly Girls. And Jim Carrey was great on that show as well. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate that. So there you go. Some suggestions as to what TV shows you would like to see brought back. And here's my prediction. I think they will bring back more after Will & Grace has done so well. And then Roseanne gets over 18 million people watching the first episode. Hollywood is happy to dig up these old shows and redo them if they're getting ratings like that. Saves them a lot of work. Bert is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Bert, what shows would you like to see brought back? Uh, Alice. Alice was good, yeah. Alice and BJ and the Bear. (laughs) BJ and the Bear, the trucker with with the monkey, right? Yeah, I think those ones would be uh, something special. Cool. Thank you, Bert. Steve is on the phone, 204-780-6868. Hi, Steve. Hi. Hi. Why has nobody said that's the show that should be coming back? I'm sorry, you cut out just as you said it. What what show? Dallas. I still Dallas. can't. 
Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Yes. Wow. Is my hearing that bad or was it? It seemed like your phone was breaking up as you said it. Well, they did redo Dallas. They brought Dallas back and then it went away because it, it wasn't very good and nobody watched it. But they did bring Dallas back and, and they did it a, a different version of it. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. We got to take a break. Quarter after 3, 315. Uh, traffic details and the weather on the way. Hal on CJOB. 320, 20 after 3. Belinda joins us on the phone, 204-780-6868. Belinda, thanks for waiting through that break. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. What shows did you want to see brought back? Oh, we would all have to say here, uh, MASH. Yeah. That's one that I put in this category where I don't know if you could mess with perfection. Like uh, off-air, Jeff Fortune and I were talking about uh, we said, wow, it's kind of funny nobody's brought up Seinfeld. But again, I think that's one that you could never do it again, and I'm not sure you could bring MASH back. But you think they could do it, eh? Oh, well, MASH was just a true classic. Yeah. You can't beat that show in, in any regard. Yeah. I think you just go watch the original episodes. I think that's what you do when you want your fix of MASH, because I don't think they could improve on it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Hey, Belinda, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot. Happy Bye. Easter. Yeah. Hope you guys get a long weekend. Hope you're off tomorrow. And some of you are even going to, I think some are even going to get a four-day week, weekend tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Easter Monday. But we'll be back Monday. Well, here's the deal. Most of us are off tomorrow. Then I'll be here Saturday, Sunday morning, 6 to 9, doing Hal Anderson weekends. And then Monday, I'm back doing 1 to 4. And things will kind of be back to regular here on CJOB on Monday. All right. Um, anyhow, we could carry on this conversation about shows forever and ever and ever, and uh, it would never end. But I want to play for you a new song that we have put together for you, Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. It is opening day in baseball. So here it is, Muchos Kilos, and on the field on CJOB. <laughs> Muchos kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys on the field. Hey, everybody's excited. It's opening day in baseball, but uh, a lot of uh, people wondering how the Jays are going to do this year. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. 323. We are going to check the forecast for you, give you the current conditions, then sports and news with Tristan Field-Jones, and then the final half hour of me here on CJOB.